interesting experiences being a preacher, uh, particularly when you're around people. And it's certain, shall we say, expectations or, what's the word, preconceptions of preachers have. You probably do too if you're honest. Uh, one of the things I've learned and one of the things I've noticed, though, is wherever I go, if there's going to be food and they know the preacher's there, I'm asked to give the bread. It's just, it's, it's one of those things. Like, there's this moment where we need to pray and bless the food, and everybody just sort of goes, let us pray. Which is not a bad thing, right? Because, you know, it's kind of like, no, who you are and all that sort of thing. But, but what that tells me, and maybe what that is instructive for us, is, is the fact that sometimes when you know who you are, you know what to do. If you're just aware of who you are, it can help you understand what to do, how to act, how to proceed in any given situation. And, and that's what I want to talk about over the next several weeks. It's a new series we're starting, and I'm calling it Who Am I? A few weeks ago, we finished up a series on Jesus, looking at the I am, some of the I am statements he made. And, and out of that, it seemed instructive to me that if we spend some time talking about Jesus and who he is and who he said he was and come to understand those things, the next logical place to, to go and the next logical thing to think about is then who are we? Who does that make us? What does Jesus, what does Scripture say about us as his followers and if I think we come to understand who we are in Christ as followers of Jesus Christ, it will help us know what to do. I mean, if you just know who you are, sometimes it's natural to know what to do. For instance, if you have car problems, who do you go see? That wasn't a hard question. A mechanic is what they often go see. If you have the sniffles, or an ear infection, or the flu, who do you go see? The doctor. And the doctor knows what to do because of who they are. The mechanic knows what to do because of who they are, all their training and all that sort of thing. Everything about who we are can help us understand what to do. Now, now here's the negative side of being a preacher, is sometimes there's this idea that we get in church world that's wrong, by the way, let me just say that up front, that somehow clergy have a higher standing with God than just, I'm just a regular Christian. Here's what Scripture says. There's no such thing as a regular Christian. There's just not. What does the Bible say? Uh, just in general terms about you, if you are a, quote, regular Christian. It says that you have been raised from death to life. We talked about that a lot when we talked about who Jesus is. It says you have been given the Holy Spirit of God as a deposit guaranteeing your eternal inheritance. It says you have access, that you can approach the very throne of heaven and earth with boldness to ask of God what it is you need, His mercy and grace to be brought to bear upon your life and upon your situation. You have the right as a child of God to act and to talk and to live in the authority of the very name of the one who is above all names, the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are that, and none of that 
just regular old Christian stuff. And when we understand who we are in Christ, it will help us understand how to live out our lives. Now today I want to look at a passage of Scripture that tells us a very particular thing about who we are that I think will impact how we live out our lives. It's found in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I think we're going to throw the verses up there. I hope they're in there. I'm trusting they're in there. They're in there often. It's always good when it works. One of the first verse is verse 17, and it's a verse you may be familiar with. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if who is in Christ? Anyone. You, me, anybody. Not just preachers, clergy. Anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. Let's, let's hang out there for just a minute, because that's pretty remarkable. You know, one of the things the Bible doesn't say happens when you place your faith in Jesus Christ is that you're just an improved self. And I think we get that wrong idea somehow. Like, like you know, humanity, we're just sort of broken a little bit, and, and we've got a few things. It's like Christianity, Jesus is the greatest self-help guru there is. You just need to clean up your act, and Jesus will come along and clean you up. No, that's not what that says. That says, in Christ... You are brand spanking new. You are a new creation. You're not your same old self just shined up a little. You are all sinful. Ooh, some of you say it's me. No, I have not latched this morning. If the glare is too much, I'm sorry. We are brand new. The old. All that that we think, oh, just needed to fix up. No, that's gone. That's taken away. And the new has come. One of the, the ideas that we often talk about in this regard is what happens uh, in the life cycle of a, of a butterfly. The butterfly starts out as a, anyone? Very good. A caterpillar. Exactly. Starts out as a caterpillar. Until it crawls into that cocoon. And when it crawls into that cocoon, metamorphosis happens. And when it comes out of that cocoon, it's a butterfly. There's actually, uh, down in Key West, a butterfly gardens or something. And, and it's actually fascinating to go listen to them talk about what happens in the cocoon. It's not just the caterpillar now has wings. It's much more substantive of a transformation than that. It's remarkable what happens. And the, the butterfly comes out, it has the wings, it dries them off, and then it flits all around. And it's a beautiful thing to behold. Now, what would you think if you saw a butterfly crawling around on the floor refusing to flap its wings? Would you think, oh, isn't that sweet? No, you think, what's wrong with that butterfly? Something must be wrong. Is it hurt? Is it dying? Is it ill? No. And, and here's my, my thought. Sometimes when we don't get this, we're like butterflies transformed by the power of God, the Spirit of God that indwells and inhabits us. But for whatever reason, we think we should just crawl around like caterpillars we used to be. And that's not what this tells us. We are more than that in Christ Jesus. And, and he goes on and says, because of that, because of that very thing that happened to you, in the next section it says this. Next slide, we're ready. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Keep going. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us 
the message of reconciliation. He finishes up by saying these words. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are therefore Christ's what? Ambassadors. That's who we are because of what has happened to us. We have been appointed the very ambassadors for God. When we know that is who we are, that can begin then to influence what we do. Because we are, according to this this verse, according to this section, we are ambassadors that are sent by God from from heaven to earth. That's you and me. We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, what's an ambassador? We know that politically speaking, right? If if you're an ambassador, it's one who represents a government, a dignitary, usually a a relatively high-ranking dignitary that goes from our country, the U.S., to another country and represents the interests of the United States in another land. Even though that person lives in another country, they are still very much a United States citizen. Even though they are carrying out their responsibilities in that country, they still very much represent the interests and the priorities of the United States. And that's what's happening here. That's what it says about us, that we, as ambassadors for Christ, represent the very things of God to this earth. Scripture tells us elsewhere that the earth is not our home. We are aliens and strangers here. When we are set aside and we are redeemed and we are bought by the blood of Christ, we no longer have citizenship on earth. Our citizenship has been transferred to the heavenly kingdom. And so the rest of our lives we live as strangers and aliens, it says, in this world. That that we understand that though we live out our lives here on earth, though we live in the culture of this earth, which is often influenced by, by our worldly things, our interest and our intent is not to be focused on those. Rather, we are ambassadors sent from God to represent Him on this earth. And no matter where we go, that's who we are. That's the name we carry. So we are part of a kingdom. There's a, there's a real live kingdom with a real live king on a real live throne that we, every day of our lives, get the privilege of living out and representing him before people who so desperately need to know. And that real live king is just not any king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Scripture reveals to us. And our great privilege is that we get to represent him. You and I are Christ's ambassadors wherever we go to represent his cause, his kingdom, his concerns, his priorities, his interests. And here's what you need to remember. You're not Christ's ambassadors because you wanted to be, but because God himself chose you to that end. The Bible says it this way in uh, John chapter 15. In fact, Jesus says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. The fact that that Jesus in his grace would reach out to us and say, I chose you out of the world to represent me. You become my ambassador. You become the one that speaks for me, that represents me 
everything that you and I do is influenced by that reality. Here's the great news. No matter what anybody else thinks, you can always fall back on this. God chose you for this role. Anybody ever not feel good enough? Oh, good. I'm so glad. You know who there was this other guy that might not have felt good enough? By the name of Paul. You remember Paul, right? Paul actually was a remarkable person from the very youngest days of his life. He was like the A student in class. He was the curve buster on all the rabbinic school exams. He was the top student of one of the top rabbis in all of the Jewish time and all Jewish places in that time, Gamaliel. He learned at his feet. He knew the law inside and out. In fact, he says about himself, he was faultless or blameless. He was so intent on keeping the law to the point that when Jesus comes, lives, dies, resurrects, and this new faith starts to circulate in Israel, he was so adamant about his faith that he went out and began to persecute Christians. And along the way one day, after he'd gone about persecuting and even overseeing the execution of many followers of the way or of Jesus, he's walking on the road to Damascus, and who should stop by and say hi? But Jesus himself, right? The light that shone from heaven, blinding him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Pretty remarkable story. Pretty remarkable encounter. And that moment changed the course of his life. And I can't help but think, no matter how many churches he started, no matter how many conversions he saw, no matter how much God used him to impact even what we are doing today, somewhere in the back of his mind, he always had that sense of, why me? Because of what I did before that Damascus Road encounter. One of the things that happens, if you remember the account, is as he's, as he's uh, blinded by the, the light from the Damascus Road, and, and now he needs to go see somebody. He's going to go see a guy by the name of Ananias. Could you imagine if you were Ananias? That must not have been a fun phone call from God. Ring, ring. Hi, Ananias. It's me, God, calling. I need you to do something. What do you need me to do, Lord? I'm always here. Ready to do it. This is, this is a paraphrase. We won't find this actually in the book of Acts. Sure, God, what is it? Tell me what. I need you to go talk to Saul. What? Who? Saul. You mean the guy who wants to kill me? That's the one. No, thanks, God. Bye. No. But, of course, you would imagine if you were Ananias, that was a pretty striking instruction to be given. And it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles. Saul, who became Paul, was God's chosen instrument, his ambassador, for the specific purpose of making sure we Gentiles... Yeah, you look like Gentiles. Most of us. There's some of us that might be exempt from this, but nonetheless. We Gentiles, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have the influence, or we wouldn't have the access to the gospel without a guy like Saul becoming Paul and carrying the message. And, and God says to Ananias, he is the one. I have chosen him. And because he is my chosen instrument, go to him. Even though I'm sure he was scared stiffless, as the phrase went from one of my professors years ago, to, to go and, and have that encounter, he did. 
the best. God used him to, to do what we're doing today. Remember in high school, one of the most powerful things you could ever get, I, I used to love this, when you would get a hall pass. They still do that. You still have to have a hall pass. Somebody's thinking, that was the coolest thing. Because maybe the teacher needed you to go run an errand for And to do that, you had to have that pass that gave you the right to leave your classroom and wander the halls. Well, actually, you were supposed to go to the office or whatever. But if you're like me and you got the hall pass, you probably stopped a few places along the way. You're like, okay, there's 20 minutes left in class. It's a five-minute errand. How can I make this last 45, right? There's a few stops I need to make, you know, check on some things. And, you know, you go. It's great to have that hall pass, that free day. You go wherever you are. But that day, if, if, if a principal was in the hallway and stopped you, if another teacher saw you and said, hey, young man or young woman, come over here. What are you doing out of class? Hall pass. Awesome. And, and you were set on an errand by your teacher, and usually you got around it. It's like Paul here, and for us, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're given this hall pass. We're given a mission. We are chosen by God to be his ambassadors. I like the phrase that we read when we got to that section in 2 Corinthians 5.17 where it says, as if God is making his appeal through you. That God is speaking through you. You, in fact, like Paul, become the chosen instrument of God. What does that mean? It means wherever you find yourself today or tomorrow or next week, You are, in fact, God's chosen instrument to be in that place to speak for Him. Maybe it's in your workplace. You've got a variety of of jobs represented here, a variety of places that you've worked. You're sent there not just to earn a paycheck, not just to pay the bills, but also, and maybe more importantly, God placed you there as His chosen instrument so that those people in your office or that you have connections with through your workplace, might hear the very appeal of God as if God was calling to them through you that they could be reconciled to God. Maybe it's in your school. We have some students here of all ages, from from elementary, probably on through college. You are put there, not just to get the education, not just to do the homework, but you are put there particularly as the chosen instrument of God to be in that place the one who God could use to make his appeal to all of your classmates and all of your friends. Hey, be reconciled to God. You're put in your neighborhood. You're put in in relationship with all sorts of people, and God uniquely uses and chooses and crafts those moments for you, for the purpose that you would be his ambassador, sent particularly and chosen specifically for that purpose and for that place. And you have to remember in all of that, whenever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself, you don't represent yourself. You always represent God. No matter what you find yourself, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance, it's not about you. It's about Him. Now, here's my authority on that. You may have heard of a guy by the name of Jesus. If there was ever an ambassador for God, it was the second person of the Trinity, the Word that became flesh and walked this earth and made the appeal to lost humanity to be reconciled to God. He was God's ultimate ambassador to humanity. And he says himself in John chapter 6, 
Verse 38, he says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one or him who sent me. Jesus says, I'm walking this earth. I'm doing all this stuff. And it's not about what I want. In fact, maybe the, the crux of that conflict that, that we see expressed there is even in the Garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus knows what's coming next. And what does he pray? Almost these words exactly. Not my will, but your will be done. Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not my will. It's not what I want. It's not what I want to do. It's not what I want to accomplish. It's about you. And that was Jesus. How much more for us to be reminded that everything you do and everywhere you go, it's not about simply your interest and your agenda. It's ultimately about God making His appeal through you. For you are His ambassadors. You are those high-ranking diplomats that God has chosen and placed to represent His interest and His priorities in the places you go. Everything you do. Why can you say that, that that's the case? Because Scripture tells us that we are not our own. That we were, in fact, bought with a price. That Jesus Himself paid the price for us to know God. And as we we come to understand better what that means, the sacrifice that was necessary, the cost to our Savior, for us to even be able to say, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I'm a follower of God. Hey, I'm reconciled to God. I have the hope of eternal life. I have the, the, the glory of heaven to look forward to. When we get hold of the, the depth and the cost of that, then we have to understand that that's about us. Paul says it this way in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That, that was that guy that we mentioned a minute ago that on the Damascus Road had his life turned around completely. He lived his whole life as if he were dead when Christ lifted him. And that's, that's what we said. I am a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. How I spend my money, how I spend my time, how I treat other people, the, the vocation, the hobby, all of that that, that, comp, that composes my life is about how I am representing as an ambassador of God. Because when I know who I am in Christ, and when I know what He's called me to do and be, to be His ambassador, that will influence how I live out my life. And, and lest we forget, what an incredible message we have to share. I know in our society sometimes, in our country, we might think Christian values, Christian priorities are declining. In fact, you've probably heard on the news, because everywhere I turned, it seemed like somebody mentioned this survey, that fewer people are identifying themselves as Christians these, this year than last year, whenever the last survey, you all heard that, that was a big deal, big hairy honking deal. In fact, oh no, the sky is falling, chicken little. Whatever, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that that was kind of the, the headline there. This is it. Christian, it's almost like at some places when you heard it, you could, you could hear the, the unspoken, see, we told you so, behind it. But, but then others come out, and we've read some of the things, made this point. You know what, what the reality is? Is that those people maybe five or ten years ago that would have said, sure, I'm a Christian, now are more openly saying, well, no, I'm not. Generationally speaking, we talk about baby boomers, and as that generation ages, 
the, the climate of our country as the boomers came up, I think, made that, that sort of allegiance to Christianity part of who they were. And so no matter where or how faithful or how closely they adhered to the tenets of Christianity, you ask them, are you a Christian? They'd say yes. But now the other generations that have come up have, well, we know a large percentage of teens that are raised and go to churches uh, when they go to college and get older, they, they turn away from that. They no longer do that. We, well, we see what the statistics tell us that. You know? And at some point, those I think those generations have decided to say, not only am I not a Christian, I might even have turned away from my Christianity to the point I'm not going to affiliate myself with that. So I don't know that, that it changes anything, because at the same time, just for a little good news in case you want to read a number of evangelicals in America, actually there are more evangelicals than there were at the last survey. It went up from like 58 to 62 million. Isn't that exciting? You look excited. You look thrilled. What a laugh. So you see these things, and you, 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 you know that our, our country is increasingly maybe turning away from values, and, and it's, it's easy at times not to want to speak up because it seems like sometimes it stands out more. I want you to think for a few minutes about what you have to say to this world as Christ's ambassador. What is the message that we have? How does it flesh out? How about, do we know anybody that's sick? some life-threatening disease and the like. No, the Bible says we have a great physician. We have one who heals. That's good news, isn't it? That people might need to know about a God who is able to heal. I think that would be good news to, to many people in our world that are sick, that you can know the great physician. Do you know anybody that suffers with addiction? papers that alcoholism and the like in Monroe County is the highest in the state. Who didn't see that coming? I think we kind of knew that. Tell us something we don't know, right? We know people that might have addictions. And, and the Bible says that Jesus was sent to set the captives free, to break those chains of bondage to substance or whatever it might be. That's pretty good news to people that, that are, are dealing with with things that have got a hold of them. They might want to hear that. In fact, in just a minute, our, our invitation song is Just As I Am. And it, it's the one that has that chorus added to it that we sing from time to time. Let me just go through the chorus. I, I can't see it. I don't know who picked this because I was trying to remember the words and I just I haven't seen it. I come broken to be mended. You know anybody that might say they're broken? Broken relationships, broken marriages, broken uh, between husbands, wives, parents, kids. wounded to be healed. I come desperate. How many desperate people have come to their rope? Something has happened, maybe it's financial, maybe it's a job crisis. They need a rescue. They need a, dare I say, Savior. I come empty to be filled. I know a lot of people, you probably do too, who, have, who understand the emptiness of their life and have chased down a million things thinking this will finally be the thing. 
that makes me feel somewhat full, whether it's this new relationship or this new job or making a little more money or, or this, this substance or this whatever it is, this new high. Well, there's only one thing that can fill us completely, and that's the love and the grace of Almighty God. I come guilty to be pardoned. You know, guys, when they think about their life, they realize it makes them sick. They're guilty before a holy God. But because of Jesus, they can be pardoned. They can be forgiven. All by the blood of Christ alone. And then the last phrase, and I'm welcomed with open arms. Praise God, just as I am. Here's what it means. That is an awesome message that you and I have to share. We don't go out as Christ's ambassadors, as is too often the portrayal of us as God's people, just to say, oh, you're a bad person. You're going to hell. Burn or burn. Or my personal favorite, damn the Jews. Be sanctified or French fry. Now, you can try that approach. But I will guarantee you the barriers will go up and you might not get a hearing. But when people know that you care about them, and when you take the time in relationship to know the things that, that like this song says, that there's brokenness, there's wounds, there's desperate, there's emptiness, there's guilt, and you say, listen, I know the place where you can go. I know the one to whom you can turn to be healed and pardoned and mended and forgiven and made whole again and filled. That is a message, I think, that with all the things people in our world are seeking ultimately that fall short of the the hope and the life of God, that's the kind of message that is present in our God. That is the reason Jesus came to perfectly represent the love and grace and mercy of God to our world. And that is the message that he has said, you are his ambassadors, that you are the ones, as if he himself is appealing to your friends, to your co-workers, to your acquaintances, be reconciled to a God who loved you enough to send his one and only son, Jesus, to die for you. Because when we know who we are,
and you become his ambassador here on earth. And maybe for those of us who've already made that decision, who've already accepted the salvation that God offers, maybe today as we sing that song, as we proclaim those truths, we'll be asking God to renew our commitment to being his ambassador, to seeing that wherever you find yourself, Maybe a place you don't want to find yourself. Maybe in a situation that's frustrating and difficult. You will remember that God chose you for that very place, for those relationships, for that purpose, to be His ambassador in that arena. And that you are the one making the appeal of God Himself to friends and family and co-workers and acquaintances to be reconciled to God and friends one in another. I'm going to invite you to stand as our music team come. I'm going to pray. And then as we sing, you respond as God leads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great grace. I thank you for the way you expressed it perfectly and completely through your Son. I thank you for his sacrificial death that pays the penalty for our sin, that when we turn to you in faith, we are forgiven. We are healed. We are restored. We are made whole. We are filled with your spirit. We are adopted as your children, and we are sent out as your ambassadors. Lord, in these next moments of our service, may you convict our hearts. May you remind us of that very purpose for which you have called us and set us apart. And that we would leave here today determined to to be your ambassadors wherever you have placed us. Lord, we give you now these moments. May you have your way, I pray in Jesus' name.